This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's ASC podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Thomas Schuler, founder and CEO of Virginia Spine Institute. Dr. Schuler, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Laura. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about. There's a lot happening in the healthcare field, but before we dive into the questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure, sure. I'm a uh, spinal surgeon, have been in practice for 30 years, uh, and, and that's really been exciting because I have lived through the significant evolution of spinal health care. Uh, it was really the dark ages when I went through my training, and, and, and the standard out there was, oh, my God, you have a spine problem. You're never going to have your life back, and, and life is over, to now people really have incredible opportunity to heal. And that's because of the knowledge gain, the technology gain, uh, and, and, and understanding it in, in all of our treatments. And so people are very blessed to live in this time and era when we have such amazing ways to help people regain their lives. That's fantastic to hear. And, you know, it's just so interesting, um, especially that you mentioned the opportunity to help people regain uh, their lives and really after back pain, that's such an important thing. When you think about the past two years, I know for many people, they delayed care and they weren't able to seek the treatment that they needed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. What was the smartest decision that you made during that time to really help your patients and uh, make sure your practice was able to continue on? Yeah, well, so I'm the founder and CEO of the Virginia Spine Institute, which which I built and created over the past 30 years. And and I have to say that one of the most important things as a business leader is to to make decisions as issues arise and and to make the right decisions. And ultimately, what's critical is that we follow our, our intuition, our gut. And successful business people make good decisions on that intuition. Unsuccessful ones tend to make bad decisions. And, and I would say probably the number one most important thing was we didn't panic. We didn't close. Our organization remained open throughout COVID. And, and by being open, we were better able to serve our patients, which, which was critical because so many people didn't want to go to an emergency room and so many practices closed that people didn't have the ability to access care. And by remaining open, we were able to, to, to best serve these people that were in need. And, and, and the important thing to understand, though, is that we remained open, but we did modify. We, we took everybody used to wear dress clothes and we put everybody in scrubs. Uh, we let people work from home who weren't uh, needed for the patient care. So we about a third of our employees ended up working remotely. Um, but with a lighter, leaner team, we were able to provide essential services to so many people who basically had doors shut to them. So one part was the patients that didn't want to seek treatment. The other part was that they didn't have access to treatment. The other thing we did was we implemented telemedicine. I had been very uh, opposed to telemedicine for many years because to me, the most important part of a clinical examination in a spine patient is is the tactile examination, finding out what's tender, where it's tender, because so often the pain generator is related to that. And, and with telemedicine, you don't have that. But we implemented telemedicine, and, and that was able to serve the people who couldn't come in or didn't want to come in. The other thing is we have a very international reach for our practice. Uh, and with the telemedicine, it allowed us to better serve our, our patients from around the world and definitely around the country. In fact, we've treated patients surgically, not just managed, but we treated patients surgically from all 50 states from over 35 nations. And, and so it's something that by being able to handle telemedicine, 
that we're able to, to reach out and help so many more people. And then you have the people locally who say, hey, I got a little sniffle today. I don't think I should come in to see you, but yet we can have follow-up. Uh, and, and so I, I would say not panicking, making the right decisions, understanding you know, the, the, the true issues at hand, and then ultimately um, evolving how we do business to, to continue to improve our customer service. Got it. I think that's a really great point, um, you know, and having the telemedicine aspect of it come in, um, you know, I'm sure it's going to evolve as um, needed basis. But when you think about like how patients are preferring their care and, and kind of upping the patient experience, is there anything that you've done um, to really make sure that you are staying current and in, in making sure you're meeting the patient needs and their kind of preferences when they seek out care? Meeting the patients where they are is such an important part. Our practice is, is very atypical. We're, we're a concierge out-of-network practice. And, and people come to us because they want time with their physicians. They want time with the clinicians and, and, and to find solutions. And, and so often now, because um, when, when uh, average practice sees a patient, they have to see a lot of patients and they have to churn numbers to, in order to generate. And they're not really helping the patient. And so by being an out-of-network practice, we have to spend much more time with the patient, but it's something that we enjoy. It's why we went into medicine. We value the relationship with our patients. We evaluate being able to help understand all their needs, not just does the MRI or the x-ray show pathology, but what about the patient? And the reality is we don't treat x-rays. We don't treat MRIs. We treat people. And, and by having the time with the people, we can find out what needs they have in their life that's impacting and is it is it just a spine need or are there other factors that need to be addressed whether it's a you know shoulder hip knee is there a family problem is it a job is it something that that is impacting their recovery uh, and so by having the ability to spend time with people and truly get to the source of their problem we have better success and and, and that's people come to us because they're not happy with the 5 10 15 minute visit that they get at most practices and, and then they're out the door. Uh, and also leads to better success with our, our surgeries and, and our non-operative treatments because we're, we're really understanding all the patient's needs and then working through our system. One of the benefits of the Virginia Spine Institute is that we, we provide comprehensive care. So we have uh, assortment of specialists to aid the surgeons in getting people the right treatment and doing a true comprehensive treatment of, of their needs and issues whether that's neurology, physiatry, family medicine, anesthesia, et cetera, they all complement the surgical practice to get the best results. Having said that, you know, we only operate on, on five to 10% of our patients. So most of our patients are successfully treated non-operatively. Um, but I, I think that's the big thing about where we go and what we're trying to do, which is to help people truly understand their problem, look at all the solutions, and then come up with the one that makes the most sense for them. And we always strive to do that non-operatively. I, th I think the other thing, which has been a, a strong emphasis of mine since I started the practice 30 years ago and we maintain it, is that all of our surgeons are experts in non-operative care, that we're, we understand how to get people better without surgery. And even if we do surgery, what other treatments need to be piggybacked on to get them a full and complete recovery? It's not okay to look at an MRI and say, I took out that disc herniation or I fused that fracture, that unstable level but to say, do I truly return this patient to a full and active life? 
And, and, and that means that the physicians, the surgeons, have to be intimately involved with the diagnosis, the management, the, the recovery, the non-operative treatment. And that's something which is very atypical to have a practice with surgeons. And now we have non-operative team too, but practice with surgeons so focused on the non-operative care. And, and I think that's one of the reasons that we've been so successful and, and continue to thrive. I really love that and appreciate that vision in terms of having that comprehensive care and then the concierge aspect of it as well, really just focusing on the patients and what they need and being able to cut out any of the other things in middle men in that and really just deliver that type of care. And so when you look ahead, what does the physician practice landscape and especially in spine uh, look like over the next five years? What do you think will be different and what do you think will be the same? So... You know, it's interesting when you look back over medicine and you look at some things that have held the test of time. An x-ray, it's been around over 100 years, and yet we still get x-rays, and they're still an essential part of information. And so, yeah, the technology and getting an x-ray has changed. We now have digital, and, and, and we're not using films and dark rooms, but we're still taking x-rays. And guess what? They're still an essential part of the management, evaluation, and, and treatment of patients. If you break an arm, you get a cast put on it to get the bone to heal. And, and you use the body's own biology to heal. Guess what? Casting's been around for over 100 years. And, and, and we've been doing that, and we continue to do that to treatment things, to treat problems such as a fracture. And so you take a look at those two mainstays, and you go, stuff can hold the test of time. Well, what we're doing now and what's really exciting about the future is we're using people's own biology to heal. And what I mean is... We're using regenerative medicine, whether it's using bone marrow concentrate, whether it's using PRP. We're using that to heal injured discs, injured ligaments, restore people back to function without surgery by using their own biology to get them better. And, and right now, there's a lot of confusion in the regenerative world, and there's a lot of naysayers who, who, who feel that regenerative medicine hasn't been proven, hasn't, hasn't uh, been validated. But we've been doing this for over a decade and seen unbelievable change in how we manage patients and people that we thought they need, you know, five levels treated and we don't want to do a five level fusion to treat back pain, but suddenly we do regenerative medicine where we take their bone marrow, concentrate it down, inject it into their disc. And now they're back skiing and golfing and doing everything, never had surgery. And you're blown away by saying, oh my God, or you're using it in synergy with a fusion or an artificial disc at adjacent levels so that you don't have to operate on as many levels. And, and we're seeing it. So I believe that over the next five to 10 years, the rest of the medical community will finally wake up and understand what an unbelievable improvement to use the patient's own biology, not an off-the-shelf product, not, not, not something which doesn't have the power of the patient's own biology, but to use the patient's own biology to get them a better result, a more successful result without surgical intervention. So I think that that's an enormous opportunity the other thing is, I mean, we, we do a lot of robotic surgery, minimally invasive surgery, and I think more surgical procedures will trend towards outpatient settings as we become less destructive as surgeons in doing the operation. We're already pretty good at it, but with the technological, technological evolution, that's going to be further advanced. Robots are going to get smaller. They're going to be portable. They're going to be in backpacks so that they can get to surgical centers and, and be used, whereas right now there's kind of a, a cost barrier for, for robotics in most surgical centers 
Um, I, I think that that's something which is going to significantly change, which will lead to, again, more outpatient surgery, more successful surgeries, less errors, less less uh, uh, problems. So, I, you know, those are those are two areas that jump immensely at me and, 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 and see an opportunity for, for change and improvement. I love that. And, you know, it really seems like when you look at the regenerative medicine, there's a lot there and a lot to be excited about for the future. And in looking at robots as well, making uh, improvements in patient outcomes and, and really um, the efficiency of care and the care process. So um, it seems like there's just a lot going on. I'm wondering from your perspective, what are you most excited about right now and what makes you nervous? Well, what, what I'm most excited about is the National Spine Health Foundation. That is a, a foundation that, that I helped found 20 years ago to improve spinal health care for all Americans, in fact, for all people. Uh, and it's something that we've been working on um, intensely for 20 years, but, it, but it, it's truly amazing. We've, we've teamed together the nation's top 50 spine surgeons uh, to, to be able to give unparalleled access to patients around the world and definitely across the United States. World-class experts with unparalleled access is what we're doing. And so I'm, I'm very proud. I'm chairman of the medical and scientific board of the foundation. And the work that we were doing is gonna be transformative for the public to help them understand the, the benefits of modern spinal healthcare, what works, what doesn't work, but more importantly, that there is hope that they can have the knowledge that they can overcome their suffering when they get the best treatment, the right treatment, and, and we're championing that by educating the public through spinehealth.org, through Spine Health Talks, to, to help people understand truly the great state that we're in in modern spinal health care, which has really transformed over this past 30 years. Uh, and, and, and now that we're in, in the area of modern spinal health care. So, so being one of the top surgeons in the nation, being recognized as that and helping use my platform to educate the public as how to overcome, I, I think is the thing I'm most excited about. The other things I'm excited about is just the future of my organization. We're, we're doing amazing work. We're involved in research at a high level, and we are finding ways to better improve people's lives. And so to, to understand that the impact we've had on, on millions of lives already, but that we're gonna be helping more people get their lives back, get back, get back to their families, be able to do their jobs, be contributing members of society. Uh, you know, pain is a very insidious disorder that, that tears at the fabric of the individual. And, and by being able to take people out of pain and allow them to, to regain their lives, um, you know, to help them save their lives is, is something which is, we're truly blessed to be able to do that. So continuing to do that and doing it better and better with modern technology and the evolution is something that excites me immensely. That's amazing to hear. And it really seems like you um, are very much embodying that process and the mindset as you go forward in being able to help patients really take control of their care and, and be able to become healthier after they've had some spinal disease. Dr. Schuler, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really excellent conversation and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you very much. My pleasure.